and welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today. Because, um, you know, we're, we're busy going along our reading schedule. We just recently read and discussed A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And we're now underway reading uh, Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb, book one of the Farseer trilogy. But while we're doing that, you know, the, the show must go on. And uh, must. Dylan... Ha- it must. And Dylan, you've, you've done some extracurricular reading that you're ready to, to bring to the table today. Is that correct? Yes, this is not just your everyday curricular <laughs> reading. It is extra. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I went to the bookstore and I saw a really cool looking cover. And it is I a great was cover. like, yeah, it caught my attention. I, it's a paperback version, I believe is a reprint of the mountain in the sea by ray nailer and it's just got this like giant looking octopus that's got it's like tentacles curling around the title of the book it's nice color <laughs> it's just very very cool so yes, the octopus that caught my looks attention like a mountain also <laughs> that's true that that should be mentioned <laughs> and the yeah the the premise when I checked it out, looked interesting. It's, uh, I think, pretty well received in terms of awards, which I'm sure we'll uh, get into. And yeah, I, I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna throw this on my own personal reading schedule. It's one of those that you don't even know about, and then somehow it hops to the top of your TBR because <laughs> it just catches your attention. <laughs> so, right. Yep. Sorry, Brent Weeks or whoever that I've been meaning to read. Uh, the Mountain in the Sea became my <laughs> next read out of hey, nowhere. <laughs> it could surprise me too. I didn't even know you were reading it until I saw you mention it on social media. And I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and the cover grabbed me. It looked very cool. Uh, the art style is almost like your scientific textbook illustration kind of art style. Yeah. But then it's very, very colorful as well. So I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. And so I'm really curious... You know, to learn more about it because I have no idea what it's about. I haven't done any research, and um, I'm also <laughs> curious to find out uh, how good it was. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I end up giving it four stars on Goodreads, uh, which mm-hmm. is right around the average rating, and it's four point oh two or something. So it sounds like I had a a generally positive reaction that aligns with uh, most folks, or at least the aggregation of most folks reactions and yeah i i have a lot of positive things to say because like i said my reaction was mostly positive i have a couple things that i was like oh could have been even better here (laughs) but i i do recommend this book especially for folks who hear the premise and find interesting which i'll i'll get into um and then yeah we'll see where people land after i give this spoiler free sort of uh, review of the book and uh, i think this this is one that a lot of folks would really enjoy but i think this will be a good episode for determining who those people are because I, I feel like I can get into all these great aspects while also being like, and here are the things that might make this not for you. So sometimes we become this like just, you know, raving about everything that we completely adore about some book. And I think this will be a little bit more balanced while being generally mm-hmm. positive. Well, let's I'm excited to hear about it. Let's let's go. All right. Well. I guess I should mention book is the winner of the 2023 Locus Award for Best First Novel. Wow. So this is a debut for Ray Naylor. I believe he's written some short fiction. Uh, it's also a finalist for the Nebula Award and one, or sorry, a finalist as well for the Los Angeles Times Ray Bradbury Prize. So this is kind of near future sci-fi. You know, we cover both sci-fi and fantasy, even if we lean a little bit fantasy, um, friends talking fantasy. And 
just to give a little bit of background about the author, uh, Ray Naylor, uh, who wrote this book that heavily features octopuses, which, by the way, we're going octopuses. We're not going octopi. <laughs> All right. I'm, go I'm just saying that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Get used to it. They people. go octopuses in this book. And right. I feel like that's what the real ones do. The people know about <laughs> octopuses. I got Googled it and I'm like, ah, like it says octopi is also acceptable. But the real ones, though, geez, they say octopuses. So I want to be cool. I'm going to yeah. say octopuses. So if the book says it, then I think we have to say it, regardless of our own opinions on the on the matter. You know, I think it's I would agree though, octopuses is the way to go. I feel like octopi, you're just trying too hard. You know? Yeah. So he currently serves, Ray Naylor, as the international advisor to the Office of National Marine Sanctuaries at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So this is a guy who knows his octopus, all right? <laughs> Octopuses. And it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think you you get to learn a decent amount about octopuses if you're not, you know, if you're not plugged into that scene as much. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, near future sci-fi, I'm going to give you a slightly edited version of the premise uh, uh, from like Goodreads or wherever I grabbed this. Uh, so... Uh, humankind discovers intelligent life in an octopus species with its own language and culture and mm-hmm. sets off a high-stakes global competition to dominate the future. The transnational tech corporation Dianima has sealed off the remote Condal archipelago where this species of octopus has been discovered. The marine biologist Dr. Ha Nguyen has who has spent her life researching cephalopod intelligence, will do anything to study them, travels to the islands to join Diana's team, which consists of uh, her, a battle-scarred security agent, and the world's first and possibly last android. Uh, you got androids Ooh. in the mix. Androids the octopuses... Right. The octopuses hold the key to unprecedented breakthroughs in extra-human intelligence as Dr. Nguyen struggles to communicate with them Forces close in to seize the octopuses for themselves. But no one has yet asked the octopuses what they think or what they might do about it. And <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's the premise that grabbed me. I think the, like, this premise, the ideas explored in it, those are the strengths of the book, the themes as well, which which I'll get into. Mm-hmm. I, so I like I, the premise. Yeah, I, ahead, I find that like octopuses have been like just they they're having have their, a moment. They're having a moment. They're, they what... have this. They're like captivating like the hearts and minds <laughs> of the people in, in recent history because there was that Netflix um, documentary. My about, Octopus like, Teacher, which I also watched. I'm on an octopus kick. (laughs) You're on an octopus kick. Nice. So there's the octopus teacher. There's a couple other different things about octopus. There's just something like kind of interesting about them, fascinating about them. And it it makes me wonder, like, why haven't we seen more octopus in, in fantasy? You see like Cthulhu and some of that stuff, which is octopus adjacent. But to actually embrace the octopus as a as a as a like a theme in your in your fantasy store sci-fi story i guess um it's it's um it's somehow unique but also like well constructed right it's like oh I have a sci-fi book about the sentient consciousness of an octopus and uh, and use that and then i also have androids and scientific research and you know it's like it's an interesting premise. It's a good pull of different kind of things in the popular zeitgeist to to kind of make your niche story. It's kind of impressive how he drew that niche out for himself. For sure. It's unique. And octopuses, they're ridiculously intelligent already, mm-hmm. which is kind of more recent that people have really started to appreciate that. I'm sure people who study them have always known this. But yeah, things like My Octopus Teacher, which I, I highly recommend over on Netflix. Uh, and uh, you get to like really see how smart they are. They do some 
wacky stuff or there's videos that you can find on youtube of them uh, like they'll like leave their tank at, at an aquarium <laughs> and like go eat a fish from another exhibit and then come back and like close the tank behind them <laughs> so it's like uh, they do these wacky things and they but they're like made of goo like they're not <laughs> which is not they're the scientific of way of describing it but they, you know like most things that most animals that we consider like very intelligent they're like dolphins which are fellow mammals and stuff but like octopuses they they have like more going on uh, in terms of their like nerve cells or or whatever like they're equivalent of neurons or, or what have you uh, they have more of that going on in their tentacles than they do in their brain and their <laughs> tentacles like act kind of like without even their brain always telling them what to do like they basically <laughs> and they do these wacky things like they'll disguise themselves as stuff like my octopus teacher has like really wacky film of them doing that to like try to hide from a shark and stuff so they're like uh, people are really octopuses are having a moment i'm glad you're plugged into that charles i've noticed uh, it i've noticed it yeah it's like a it's like a vein within popular culture it's not particular it's not crazy crazy prominent but it's there you know like that finding nemo sequel i featured the octopus and the octopus teacher you know all these other things i'm like hmm they're having a bit of a bit of a moment i didn't know that the tentacles kind of acted uh, ind- independently to the brain it's kind of like me when i'm around chips you know it's just like the hands just start grabbing <laughs> and putting them in my mouth my brain's not even realizing hey that's more than a serving you should probably stop <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I can <laughs> so I can relate in that way. We're kindred spirits almost. <laughs> you definitely can, and that's I think why the octopus is the choice for Ray Naylor here because of its uh, the the ways in which we can totally see ourselves in them and their intelligence. Right, this idea that we could like go try to do something that we know is kind of bad and then like hide it by you know closing the lid of our tank behind us. Like, oh, yeah. Like no, no one, evidence. like we see ourselves in that or in mm. our decision to eat or not decision, our lack of decision to eat a ton of chips when we don't even realize it. Like uh, we, we can see ourselves in them, but they're also so alien to us despite their intelligence. And that's like a huge thing here that's explored because the themes are mostly about like consciousness. Mm. And we've seen that explored so many times with the like AI characters or androids, which we do have featured in here. Like, it's easy to think of do androids dream of electric sheep once that starts to get involved? But the or octopus like has one where the robot just starts singing a song as it gets turned right. off, and you're like, I kind of well, bad now. Yeah. <laughs> it was evil, but. <laughs> yeah, 2001 classic. Saw mm. that relatively recently. So I Great do know film. what you're talking about. And uh, how. Hal is the name, if I yep, remember Hal. correctly. It, Close so, to bay doors, Hal. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> Fantastic. Check it. Be, if you're like me and you haven't seen this classic yet, then check it out. But oh, Stanley Kubrick. Anyway, we see the these themes of consciousness, like I'm saying, but the octopus is a new and unique way of exploring that, where mm-hmm. you kind of get to dive into the... It's like the androids and AI stuff. It's usually about like, oh, how can we take this thing and make it as similar to humans as possible? But what Ray Naylor can do with the octopus is kind of like emphasize the unfamiliar as well Mm -hmm. in a way where you can try to like remove yourself from our uh, like – oh, there's a word for it. But like human-centric way of viewing the world Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, wow, like – an animal that's like made of goo uh and <laughs> they are gooey they're not they are goo, very gooey you are see like them like squishy and... videos of like going through like a little pipe or something they can just, or like small rocks they can just kind of squish in there they're made to do that yeah they can squeeze through Don't... insanely small places yeah like the only real hard part of them is their beak 
Like everything else <laughs> is just like basically goo. Uh, but it's like some an animal that has this kind of experience, like it would be so drastically different than our own. And then what if they gain sentience? Like what would that even look like? And how could they communicate? And uh, like, and what is our responsibility to them? Which to me, like we've explored that so much with like, what's our responsibility to sentient robots? How do we know if they're sentient? Is like, all right, that's like heavily treaded ground. And actually that's explored well in this mm. too, because we do have that Android character. Mm. But it's like, oh, this is entirely unique while getting into these themes that are like so much in the public consciousness, especially because AI is AI also having a moment like octopuses. Oh yeah. And AI having a yes. way bigger moment, dude. <laughs> way bigger. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> 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 but um it's it's what's also interesting is that like with androids the theme is always like well, are they al- like at what point are they alive at what point are they conscious with with octopuses they are alive like they're right. living creatures and then there's this almost like this environmentalism component to it mm-hmm. of like we're not the only living beings on this planet and now we may not be the only living intelligent conscious beings on this planet and when technology has us come to the table and have like more like uh next level interaction with another living species it almost becomes like alien even though it's the creatures that have existed on the planet with us for forever and i'm wondering is there like a i'm assuming there is an an environmentalist kind of component Mm -hmm. to all this for sure definitely it feels very much like (laughs) it's not as heavy-handed as as that but it is like it's just i one of the big things that comes up for me around having read this book is like it's not surprising that it's winning awards and finalists for other awards because it's like a novel for our times in the exploration Mm. of like oh we're getting into consciousness of like ai and other creatures and also getting into these like ecological and environmental matters around human irresponsibility greed and indifference Mm -hmm. in the face of the destruction of much of our world and it's like that all that stuff plus octopuses are all (laughs) on the tip of everyone's tongues right now so it's like Mm -hmm. a novel for our times if you're kind of plugged into all of those aspects of the world around you and you want to get into that through this speculative fiction lens that can kind of uh take you a little bit away from our current uh circumstances and context and allow you to think through these ideas in a different way like this is a perfect book for that and and it definitely gets into some of those ecological and environmental aspects but i would say that is not as central as the exploration of consciousness Hmm. yeah that's interesting you also nailed it charles i want to say you like nailed the when you were just kind of discussing the aspects of this book that are interesting you like yeah you pretty much nailed it so thank you well it it presents itself well and i get it you know from like conceptually it's it makes a lot of sense it's very interesting um I'm a big science fiction fan, especially around this idea of of are like are androids humans? What's the difference? Well, like when do the lines get blurred? When does it matter? You know that kind of stuff. I've always found to be very interesting, and um, you know who doesn't love a good octopus story? My one thing though <laughs> that I have to ask you, in, in which this whole story kind of my opinion of it kind of hinges on how you answer this question. Is there a mention at any point in this book of an octopus's garden? Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> no self-respecting octopus book could not just ignore it. I feel like you'd have to make the conscious, deliberate choice not to include a mention of an octopus's garden. And then if you chose not to do that, then you're probably too, you're not fun enough for me. <laughs> so like that's the, no, it would like, be you, a slap you're, you're, in the face of Ringo Starr. Not oh, to absolutely. Who you have met, be. Charles, or at least Under we're very sea. close to at one point. Like yes, physical, we physical were proximity. Charles, don't sing too sea. much of that. That is not, <laughs> <laughs> that is not royalty free singing music. <laughs> 
just did. Uh, yeah, we, we claim what well, we're not monetized. We don't make any money, so there's That's nothing true. to take. We're not commercial or nothing. Um, just do it for the love of the game and, and for you, the listener. The Thanks for listening. So, um, five stars yeah. on Spotify. That's good that they mention it. It's very important, and it's the, you. They have don't to mention pay the song "Octopus's Garden." If that's okay, what that I can kind of idea let go of because it's Octopus's too Garden. cheeky. And if you're trying to win a Locus yeah. Award, you, you can't be just like quoting Ringo Starr songs no. in your book, <laughs> in your science fiction book. Maybe John Lennon, but you can't you can't go Ringo if you want to. Yeah, win. I mean, you have Lucy with Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, that like early humanoid. That they discovered, remember when they discovered that? So it's like there's... Right, I do remember that. There is yeah, that, was... like, you can pull from the Beatles for your scientific endeavors. Like, there's precedent. But um, I, I think, like, quoting Octopus's Garden in your octopus book it is too much. It, it's too much. Um, it's too on the nose. Or on um, the beak. Uh, as, if she, like, named... If she, like named an octopus ringo or something it would have been too much <laughs> yeah <laughs> too yeah, much but at least that you, but you, octopus... you have to pay respect to what we know about octopuses and you have to put the garden in like you're just not an octopus book if you don't i'm sorry so i'm glad to hear that they did and i would have put money on the fact that he did um but uh it's just good to have that confirmation thank you and i think it's important fans know that that's in there. They don't have to pick this up wondering, is he going to kiss the ring? You know? <laughs> I mean, I think that's just what the octopus's home is called. So I think mm. that any self-respecting <laughs> octopus enthusiast would include that because it's just, it, it they include it because it's relevant. It's relevant mm. that the octopus has a garden and that's the, uh, like it's home. So mm-hmm. I think, did he kiss the ring? Uh, who's to say? <laughs> but he, he knows his octopus facts. It's just, you know, there's certain octopus tropes. You got to, the, the beats, I guess you could say. That's what the movie people say. There's beats you got to hit in the story. You know, you got octopuses. You got the tentacles. You got the, squi- the squishiness. <laughs> yes, you got tentacles. the garden. <laughs> you know, like these are the beats you got to hit in your It's a low bar story. to... <laughs> Low bar to clear that the book needed to have tentacles in it. Well, it's an <laughs> up and coming. It's an up and coming genre. You know, there's still a long <laughs> way to like Ray Naylor. You could say is paving the way in a lot of ways for the octopus genre. I mean, there's opportunity here. Um, don't some octopus like octopuses? Don't they have like camouflaging abilities? Oh yeah, they can yeah. change colors. Yeah, they can change. And that's the colors. thing: you come away from this book like knowing quite a bit about <laughs> octopuses. You know, like I, I'm in a situation where Charles is like uh, asking me octopus questions. You're I feel my like I can answer these. Authority you know? friend now. <laughs> I'm as close as a guy. I'm probably wrong about some of what I'm saying, but you know the fact that. Yeah, I'm chopping it up about octopuses' beaks. Like, mm-hmm. that's something. <laughs> so, that's I think something. Ray Naylor is is definitely paving the way for like octopus fiction. He <laughs> there's a lot of octopus. That's non-fiction. a back of the book blurb if I ever heard one. Ray Naylor is paving sure. the way for octopus fiction. <laughs> the FDF like podcast, a court of thorns and roses. <laughs> A book that I would not recommend to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But <laughs> they should be using these. So, they should be. Yeah, he thanks all these. There's a lot of you know, like pretty notable octopus nonfiction books. And there's like uh, Other Minds, The Octopus, The Sea, and The Deep Origins of Consciousness and Metazoa uh, by Peter Godfrey Smith. Uh, hmm. uh, it's like there's a lot of uh oh that's a different that's two books i named metazoa animal life is a separate book um from the octopus the sea and the deep origins of consciousness so like he's looking at some of these uh, like nonfiction books and being like oh how can i make an interesting story that includes a lot of these facts and and tidbits so it's yeah it's a perfect fiction read for those of you who are already plugged into this idea that like people are talking about octopus and consciousness but who but ray naylor has <laughs> had the the will and the 
<laughs> gumption <laughs> to take this into the realm the of ingenuity. Fiction. Yeah, ingenuity, the enterprising, well. the the vision for sure. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like an octopus's wide open eye. He <laughs> saw the Ooh. possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it's uh, the strengths of this book, I would say, they lie in the the themes and the how it is a book of our time. And it's like diving into, uh, no pun intended, uh, diving into all of the things that are in the public consciousness. And mm. I, I appreciated that. I came away knowing a lot more about octopuses and having a lot more kind of like thoughts to explore about what it means to be, uh, I guess, sentient or conscious or human. This is like how you, the headspace you're going to be in during and after this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it it's just sits very uniquely and interestingly in the science fiction world. It definitely touched a nerve for people getting all these award nominations. But you mentioned that there were some things that you noticed about the book. I'm curious to kind of get into some of what you were referring to about some of the things you noticed that, you know, you, you were like, oh, man, I wish it was done a little differently. Yeah, the things that I noticed there, first off, it's it's kind of slow to get going. And it is chunkier than I was expecting. It's like over 400 yeah. pages, which, I mean, it's not crazy in the world of fantasy, but that's a decent size. That's got some chunk. Yeah, the book could have been shorter, I think, because mm. it's a little slow to get going. And I'll also say even more so than the slow get going, which I, I can handle. is just like, there's a lot... So we've got this main character that is named in the blurb. Uh, that's Han Wen. Uh, mm-hmm. Which also, side note, one thing on the little critical of here is like, uh, Ha, I'm sure, like, a great name for, uh, like, she's a Vietnamese, Vietnamese heritage. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that's, a, like, a good name for him to chose for that sake but i'm sure there's other names he could have chosen that would also be uh, like true to her vietnamese heritage that aren't one letter away from the word he um (laughs) so that was kind of tough reading that (laughs) it was like uh, i because you know your brain isn't like much like an octopus's arms like (laughs) your brain kind of like acting on its own when you're reading through things and you'll just like Mm. like you're not reading every letter all the time and i sometimes would be like ha said and i was like uh, he said and ha is also a woman so mm. it would say she said if ha was you know a pronoun was replacing ha so sometimes if she was talking to someone who used he him pronouns i was like wait who's saying what but that's anyway that's super minor said, i just want to mention that because it's part of my <laughs> classic yeah. he said yeah. ha said situation <laughs> right it was a he said ha said situation for sure he said but ha said anyway said the octopus yeah that's a minor i don't really care about that but it was just a funny aspect like yeah. Christie's reading a book where the main character's name is ha but anyway ha is the most interesting like character who's exploring the most interesting aspects of this book she's the one getting in there with the octopus and trying to figure all of this out and then there were probably about almost half of the chapters would jump to a different character with like and by that i don't mean like one different character i mean like several different characters some of which would only get one chapter some of which like pretty much had chapters throughout the book and just none of them and what they were doing was anywhere near as interesting (laughs) and kind of like interrupt the flow for me of like like this is a book that's interesting from the aspect of this scientist character is trying to learn things that I want to know about too. Mm. And then let's jump over to someone else. And it all feeds into these themes. And I can see what Naylor was doing when he's getting into all of that. But it's just like, for me, basically could have cut everything out of this, except the, like a couple of those chapters, like a few of them, uh, just because they, impact events later on 
uh, and they would feel kind of out of nowhere if you didn't get into them at all. But um, you could cut out almost all of those chapters, and we'd have like this clean five star, three hundred <laughs> page read that the whole time I would be like on the edge of my seat. But for me, it was almost like okay, like I'd finished the ha point of view chapter, and then it'd be like oh no, like I have to get through this other chapter to get back. Mm. And chapters are super short, which I appreciate. I love short chapters. So you'd get through, you know, it'd be five pages, six pages, some of these, like the yeah, the chapters see, that weren't ha were shorter usually. I've been there but, with books where a less interesting character, like Game of Thrones is an example. It's like, oh, it's a Brienne of Tarth chapter. Great. He's got to power through, I guess. John's like it's fired at Brienne. Jon Snow chapter or whatever, you know, or Tyrion chapter, you know, it, sure. or Daenerys chapter. I feel that. I feel that. That can be frustrating, especially when the book already feels like it's kind of long. It's like, yeah, there's opportunities to focus in more on like just the interesting character doing the interesting stuff and save a couple pages and get the pacing up and, uh, you know, you're, you're good to go. Yeah. And so this premise that I read, the summary was from the back of the book and the fact that it doesn't mention any of these other characters that, like, <laughs> in aggregate make up almost half of the book, probably 35 wow. to 40% of the book, that's probably a good sign that <laughs> maybe they don't have to take up that much of the book. If they literally are not mentioned at all, all that's mentioned is what Ha is doing, and that's mm. the most interesting stuff. So that would be, like... Well, one of my criticisms that of this book that I largely enjoyed is like this could have been a clean 300 page book that always had me like really involved with it because I wow. noticed when I was reading Ha's chapters I'm like oh yeah like I really want to know what she's gonna learn here uh so yeah there's that there's also that the there's actually less octopuses, like an octopus <laughs> discovery going on than you might think. Like uh, the the discoveries are fewer and farther between. Uh, and maybe a lot of that is like we keep jumping away. We keep jumping away when we could be uh, mm-hmm. like just straight up in Ha's point of view. But it's actually not as central to the plot as it is central to the plot, but it's not like as much what's going on is like consistent interaction with the sentient octopuses. Like it is a lot of this other stuff, which is discussed uh, in the premise, like this, Oh, there's this corporation that's trying to do this. And uh, there's a, like other corporations that are closing in on it as well. And there's a lot of that going on. I guess I was hoping for a little bit more like, centrality of the octopus <laughs> yeah one more octopus man it's on the cover Let, let's get let's get yeah. some octopus characters let's get some octopus pov some opov <laughs> i mean that's one of the things that is cool about the book is like it is emphasized like i was saying earlier that the way that an octopus would see the world and any attempts to communicate with them or what have you is like you're gonna come from such a vastly different perspective right right uh, even if they're super smart and sentient and conscious and have created culture it's like how do you even relate to (laughs) it's hard enough for us to relate to people even like who are fellow human but come from vastly different cultures and see the world differently so it's like imagine you're a whole different species that the way your life works is is completely different Mm. uh it's really tough and the aspects of communication and uh, what gets lost in translation there it's pretty cool to get into it actually reminded me of uh, you remember that movie that actually was a book uh, called arrival charles like oh i love arrival yeah it's right. a fantastic so film right so that's basically these aliens from another planet are interacting with humans and they send this linguist like this expert uh in that field to try to figure out like how do we communicate with them and there is a lot of like how do we communicate with the octopus in this where ha kind of takes the role that um the the lead in the arrival movie 
uh, was in. But it's, it's cool that it's like, well, this is an animal that's on our own planet, but also there's that whole, like, we know more about space than we do know about the oceans on our own <laughs> planet. Which, like, oh, I don't even sure. know what that means. Like, right, that's kind of a silly oh, thing that people say all the time. It's but what there the is ocean people of... say exclusively. <laughs> like, they're the only ones that say that. The only time I hear that is in the aquarium, and I'm like, this sounds like ocean <laughs> propaganda to me. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how much I believe the... that. Like, Right, oh. it's kind of silly. <laughs> The sentiment of it, though, that, like, we – there's there's these passages in there that are basically two of the characters have written, uh, like, nonfiction books in the world of, uh, of the of – the, in the fictional world that's created by Ray Naylor. And, the, like, Ha has written a book called How Oceans Think that were kind, that was kind of this, mm-hmm. like, nonfiction exploration of, like, what if there were – like octopuses that could communicate with us and stuff. And then they turn out to, to be, and that's why she's like, Oh, I gotta go study this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, like those, that book kind of gets into this idea of like the first aliens, uh, are likely to be from our own planet. Like this kind of, uh, arrival type situation is more likely to occur with just the species around us rather than like, those kind of had tentacles too in Arrival, right? They were kind of octopus. They were very like squiddy, octopusy like, yeah. and they had like the ink circles, and right. the circles were like frayed on the edges, and that was how they, like, they were deciphering the circles and trying to translate them and communi- make their own to communicate back. And yeah, there's cool. so there's a ton of that going on like very similar to that charles in this book like including the use of ink which is the way the octopus would likely communicate um so charles let me show you something that the listeners can't see which is why i would not recommend this book be read in audiobook format i don't know anything about the audiobook i'm sure the narrator does a great job or whatever but i read the paperback and it had me thinking like how could you read this in uh in an audio format because as you're seeing here charles there's literal like when they're trying to communicate with the octopuses there's literal like symbols in the book that Mm. take up like substantial portions of the pages that are meant to be illustrations illustrations. Mm -hmm. exactly so i don't know how that's done maybe it's done really well like here you see charles like Mm. some of them are very faint like and but it's Mm. like how do you convey that an audiobook i don't know it actually had me kind of interested but for that reason dear listeners uh we're huge audiobook fans this one i was glad i did not consume in that format oh that's good to know so you recommend that we you know read it over the audiobook for the sake of the illustrations what i'm wondering now we're on recommendations as we're nearing the end of the show here like who would you recommend the mountain in the sea by ray naylor to well, I've been trying to – you always ask this question, Charles, yeah. and I always feel unprepared for it. But I was like, this time, Charles, I know that's coming. And always coming. I, but I've been sprinkling them throughout is what I've been trying to do. So I'll, I'll just rehash some of them, like uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, uh, Ooh, the book that inspired favorites. the movie Blade Runner. I know you're a huge fan of that, Charles. I like uh, the book this, more than the movie, and the movie is like iconic. Yeah, I find it I mean, kind of boring myself, but <laughs> really, yeah, wow. I fall. I've tried to watch. I've fallen asleep both times I've watched it, but I, I've, I've wow. seen the whole thing. I do like it. It's just really. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen. I mean, the first yeah. movie, not the. Yeah, I haven't ever. seen the other. I haven't seen twenty forty eight or whatever. But um, yeah, I like it. I like Harrison Ford. I like Ridley Scott. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot for me. It's slow. Wow. So that's a that's a big reveal that Charles actually does not enjoy Blade Runner at all. I know you always get mad. Like this is like a Charles theme is getting very angry when he goes into a bookstore and sees that uh, cover of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep like prioritizes naming it in some way like Blade Runner. Yeah. Like because which I get like I'm with you on that because Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is a fantastic title. It's like my favorite title even though I haven't read the book. And it's 
yeah, sometimes they will basically try to like call it Blade Runner. And yeah, they'll put Harrison Ford on the cover. Like, they'll say Blade yeah. Runner in big letters, and then um, Dunker Team Electric Sheep is very little uh, uh, underneath it in like the smallest font yeah. possible. Like they just have to put it on there for legal reasons, otherwise it wouldn't <laughs> be on there. And you're like, oh, yeah. the disrespect. The disrespect. It's disrespectful. So maybe that's tainted my judgment. But um, I probably received like three texts from you that are you in a bookstore <laughs> angry about that particular It's amazing issue. how many different <laughs> variations there are that do that exact same thing. I've kind of collected them over the... There was one I was in a bookstore. It was a whole shelf of them. I almost like had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely a big pressing issue in Charles's world and I'm with him I don't want to degrade his uh passion in there but he yeah anyone who's a fan of like Philip K Dick's exploration because there's other books I kind of get into that right Charles like does uh, uh that other one that has a great title like what's it called um like Which the policeman something oh flow my it? tears the policeman said yeah that's a good one. That's does that also get into issues of like consciousness and stuff? No, no that's no. actually about like a late night host who wakes up one day and no one knows who he is. It's like he never existed and he's trying to figure out ah. what the heck happened. Yeah. So that sounds cool too. It I guess Bill cool. K. Dick kinda like covered a lot of different ground. Oh yeah. The men in the high castle, which is yeah. if the Axis powers won World War Two, what would it be like in the future? Like with a US that's occupied half by Germany, half by Japan. It's very interesting. Also a series on Amazon that I, it was good. I just never finished it, but I was, I watched it and enjoyed it. It feels like a decade ago, but um, yeah. So that's a very strong comparison. You got me interested already right there, just with bringing Philip K. Dick into the mix. Yeah. Once Philip K. Dick is in the mix, you got me listening. Charles interest, (laughs) but I, yeah, I would say fans of that, uh, this is a great recommendation for, I mentioned Arrival, which was a book, so uh, fans of that book uh, also recommend this too. Or even just like, if we're talking about movies, some any of these AI-focused movies, like the one that came to mind for me is Ex Machina, that movie, which is another good one, is... T- because there is the android character that I mentioned and I would say is more central to the plot than is implied by the back of the book. Uh, there's uh, interesting stuff with that character. And I would say anyone who's been like reading any of those nonfiction octopus-focused books, <laughs> like this is really cool for fans of fiction who are already like – because uh, those books are huge, actually. Like that one, oh, I, the first yeah. one I mentioned, that one is, I, I've seen it displayed as one of like the premier books in a bookstore that you see when you walk in there. And I know people are into that. So if you've been reading those, this is like, all right, let's see how we can explore that in a fictional way. And sure. Also, anyone who's been watching My Octopus Teacher, anything of that nature, there's uh, it's a great way. Like If you're listening to our podcast, you're probably a fan of fiction and speculative fiction, so this is a natural fit for you. And if you're interested in these ideas of consciousness and in, like environmentalism and all that, it's, it's going to get deep into that. And, but I'd say if you're like, huge into the idea of like character development as like the most important part of books which is usually me uh mm-hmm. but uh, if you need that to be prioritized above theme if you need uh, like things to be super fast moving if you want this to be like a thriller i've seen people like i read a goodreads uh review that was like so mad that this wasn't like an intense octopus like homicidal octopus uh like thriller which that it's not gonna hit those kind of beats it's it's slower than that and more theme driven rather than uh, like driven by these intense plot points so <laughs> yeah people are who don't think they would enjoy that and might find it like kind of 
ponderous if it's uh, if most things are kind of a vehicle for exploring the themes then might not be the book for you but great book for anyone who's interested in those like nonfiction octopus books who enjoyed arrival <laughs> who watched my octopus teacher and said i want more wow well, like, what if my octopus teacher and arrival just combined had That's a baby quite the premise for a story i'd be like i'm listening <laughs> go on <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's... yeah that strong recommendation especially when it's backed by you know winning awards and being nominated for awards and you know getting reprinted and it's self-published origins it, it sounds like there was some magic that was captured and that's always very exciting yes magic captured like the n- noble octopus uh <laughs> when they're put in a an aquarium much like that atlanta aquarium charles i bet there are some octopuses in there oh there is yeah your local aquarium that's uh, <laughs> a <laughs> which is apparently the best aquarium that's what they say or at least the uh, best one in, in this the US. in this hemisphere yeah no doubt <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest anyway so um, they got whale sharks oh yeah two uh and, yeah. and they've got beluga whales and they've got all kinds of cool Cool creatures, including the the majestic octopus. You know, yeah. So, um, the mountain in the sea by Ray Naylor. I look forward to the sequel, The Garden in the Shade. Uh, but uh, until then, <laughs> <laughs> there will be no sequel that I know of. But if there is, I doubt it will be car- called The Garden in the in the Shade. <laughs> <laughs> musician, famous musician Ringo, <laughs> discovers that octopus have sentience and consciousness as he goes to create music. And uh, what does that mean for for the for, for consciousness as we explore it, it through artistic expression of music, you know? That he has no sense. time for that, Charles, based on that video that he posted <laughs> on YouTube. I have too that, much to do. Peace and love. Yeah, he has too much to do. Love. After the 4th of October, no more fan mail will be signed. Peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have too much Charles, to I mentioned- do. <laughs> I mentioned you're in close physical proximity to Ringo, and you glazed yeah. over it. I we were randomly at the same party once. It was pretty insane. <laughs> yeah. It's the closest I've ever so, come to um, you know interacting a with a beetle before, and I was pleasantly. It was a great experience. So it's closer yeah. than most come. Closer but you didn't talk most. to him. No, we like you don't when you're like. <laughs> just a random person just crashing a party and and Ringo Starr is there you don't walk up to them and be like oh dude I love Octopus Garden it's like such an underrated song and I think octopuses are due for a comeback in the popular zeitgeist and he'd just be like dude I'm just trying to live a normal life here so um we we kept a respectable distance but um there was eye contact there was you know there was close proximity so it was, it was very cool and that like was... two ships passing in in an ocean above a two ships know, passing in the night or whatever sky. they say yeah, yes. that's what they say yes yes, yes. like that that's, like that it was it was like that like there was a Sliding moment in time where our lives like kind of intersected you know he was joined the beatles toward the world making all kinds of music you know i was doing my thing and then we kind of converged <laughs> we we converged at one point and then we went on you know we went on to continue right. to do other stuff uh, after that but it was cool that for that brief moment in time we were doing the same thing at the same time so there that you go that's ain't that the truth, that, that the truth? i feel so like lucky I charles now. i get to do the same thing at the same time as you which is record these mm. wonderful friends talking fantasy Absolutely. episodes and we've just put another one in the books uh, if the you will books, so i think there's just about nothing left to do but play that sweet sweet <laughs> outro music which we would do octopus's garden if we could ever come <laughs> anything close to affording the rights to play careful careful all right well dylan if it's up to you i'd like to be Playing the outro. 
on the Friends Talking <laughs> Fantasy podcast. If we call it a parody, with you. <laughs> if we call it a parody, then it's fair game, right, Charles? Exactly right. The octopus's consciousness. The <laughs> the, the octopus yeah. is. Um, yeah. Let, let's just let's just play the outro. Let's go before <laughs> get things get too out of hand here. Uh, hold on one second. Let me get it queued up, and here we go. Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, let us know over on the socials. We always love to engage with people over there, and that's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram, and at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end for Twitter, which is slowly being called X, but we'll keep saying Twitter X. for now. It, today, it still says Twitter on my phone. Mine no. still but says today, Twitter. my app says X. I showed it to you. I know, this but mine terrible. still says Twitter, so I can still say it. And maybe you know, we say both in case some people's apps didn't change. So it's at the FTF Podcast. This is going to place us in time, Charles. This the is end. the moment. Like, this, when people listen to this, they're going to be like, that was the moment where it turned into X. Historians and will be like, everything okay, got worse. okay, we we're getting the timeline. So... Yes, it's happening. It's happening, guys. Where we're going to be on the socials after this, who knows? Because it's Twitter's stars fading. So, But let us know over on the socials where, where you're at, what you're up to. We'd love to hear from you. But Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even more than on the socials, if they think X is a stupid name for a social media platform <laughs> and what was once borderline a public service is now run by a like a... Just a, another man-child billionaire. billionaire who just tanked it into the ground. <laughs> what can they do? Tell us five stars to our podcast. Uh, oh, you can now do that over on Spotify. Spotify ain't going nowhere. They're not going to change it to like Y or something, <laughs> some stupid letter at the end. That of the would alphabet. be funny as a brief <laughs> stunt, like press stunt, just to call it Y. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, you can toss five stars to our podcast over there on Spotify. You can also rate and or review on Apple Podcasts. Review, you can write nice things about us. You can give us your octopus takes. You can tell us what you think about Elon Musk. Whatever you do, just (laughs) throw us five stars above it. And that always puts a smile on my face and presumably on Charles's face as well well but just listening is more than enough thank you so much for doing that you presume correctly dylan thank you all so so much just listening is always more than enough you guys are the best thank you thank you thank you and as always go forth and conquer friends